to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon in the middle of a huge stretch because I fell this morning. Jeez, why are we late? I'm late because I fell on my ass. Yeah. In the middle of my driveway and the garbage can landed on top of me. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that part. And, and thank you for laughing at me. Well, so. Well, that was funny. Thank you. The oh garbage can. You are terrible. No. I could be laying in the middle of my driveway dead and you'd be like, ha, ha, ha. No, I gave you all kinds of sympathy up until you told me the garbage can fell on you. <laughs> oh, so part. that takes away the. Yeah. the okay. Well, so I'm, I'm, I came out getting ready to come to the show and I was like, I got the garbage. I'll take it out because they pick it up, blah, blah, blah. As I'm walking out, first of all, if anyone that lives in the New England area doesn't realize that we had like a foot of snow, then it rained, then it got icy. And no matter how much shoveling you do, <laughs> there still seems to be a slick and you oh, can yeah. put salt down and it unfreezes, then it refreezes. It's it, been you know. 40s and raining and there's still ice out there. I don't exactly. understand it. So even though there's salt and I have salted ad nauseum and, you know, and pet friendly, by the way, yeah. um, I walked out and there's a beautiful red cardinal, which of course signifies many things to people spiritually and so on, flailing in the middle of the ice mm. on the side of the driveway. And I have the garbage can in one hand. I'm watching this bird flail, trying to make a decision what to do without falling yeah and the bird so i stop and i'm looking at the bird the bird's spinning around in circles he's looking up at me and i'm like oh and so it looks like his leg might be broken his wings i don't know yeah. so i'm like well i can't do anything about the bird at this juncture so i'm like okay i'll go ahead and walk to the end of the driveway because i have a long driveway and i get to the end but i didn't i fell i fell like two feet from the bird <laughs> <laughs> and the garbage can and it was bad too because i tried so hard not to go right up underneath and fall but yeah yeah and then and then in trying to hold the garbage can up, it down on you it fell right on top of me yep. so i thought it was just my wrist and my wrist now it's fine but in fact it's my ass cheek into my right hip probably my sciatic and my butt's wet because <laughs> i had to then Put the garbage out, swearing the whole way, hoping no one of the neighbors was listening, yep. and walked gently back, trying to find ground that wasn't covered in ice. Then went over, looked at the bird. Then now I'm five minutes later than normal to leave. Now I have to go find a box because mm -hmm. I have to save the bird. Yep. And then I find a box and I bring the shovel and I put the bird in the box and I put food in the box. And then I realize. I'm not going to leave the bird all day. So then I went and I put the bird in the box outside in the sun, but laying outside. So in case it gets away and wants to fly, but it couldn't fly. It was spinning in circles. Yep. So in my head, if it's gone, it means it flew away. I will not think about the fact that something came and ate it. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe a snowy owl. I did not take pictures because it was disturbing. Oh, yeah. No. And the fact that it was a cardinal then gave me that spiritual... Ron, where's Ron when I need him? It gave me that spiritual weirdness of, you know, cardinals signify that someone's there to be, you know, from the dead visiting you. No, the, it's a good, the totem, good, the good animal luck, totem so. for a cardinal it's is what? the animal totem for a cardinal is change. Yes. Considering change. Yeah. Right. And so here's this cardinal spinning in circles. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's indicative of my life. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe because you passed on the cardinal the first time, karma got you. It said, Ooh. where are you going? How rude. I was coming back to I, save him, and I, I did. I know that, but maybe Carmen didn't know that. Um, you, you know what? The, the best part about it, all this is as you were on the floor this morning, 
I said, do you want me to make sure that we have medical personnel by the time you get off the air? Thank you for telling everyone that I was on the floor. <laughs> well, you're just stretching out. <laughs> yes, when I came in, I actually got on the yeah. studio floor and stretched out because yeah. I'm in pain. And the, my favorite realization was that was that wasn't the first time I've said that in my career. Not the first time it's been said in this building. I'm just having a visual of myself actually sitting in front of the door, like completely on the floor in the middle of the studio. <laughs> That's how I want to go. I want to go in the middle of the show. You want to die in the middle of the yeah, show? Yeah, I want to die. In wow. The I go. Well, I want to go in the middle of the show. <laughs> okay. I don't want that to happen. No, not this <laughs> Please. one. I have had enough, I've had enough death in one year. Yeah. Even though it was last year, it's still within the year. I'd like that not to happen, but thank you. I didn't um, say this show. I didn't okay. say now. Well, it's not my show. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, going back to the Cardinal, yes. just listen for a second. Mm -hmm. the, or for the whole show. Male listen. Cardinal or female Cardinal? Well, red is the male Cardinal. Right. So the red Cardinal was the one flailing. Yeah. And so then it made me think about like, oh God, you know, what's, what's this mean? So I, like I'm having all these racking meaning things in my yep. head about the psychology of this bird that has now crossed my path that I tried to save, but couldn't save. And, and then it's like a metaphor of my current life situation, maybe. <laughs> really? I don't know. I'm trying. I'm always trying to save people. I know, but you get that kind of stuff going on. That's trying to save people, like from life and death. A bird that is in a bird that is in as much distress as that bird was is not a good omen. Well, this is my point. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So that's my story this morning. And, and then I ran back in because I had to set my alarm and left my computer because I got myself all disheveled. See, this is what happens. I also have these things. Not to make you feel worse, although I'm You're feeling I'm feeling worse, so you should share it. Cardinals are paired. There's I, well, another cardinal. I, I know. I already had this thing because And by the I way, those eight, cardinals have been around your house repeatedly. I have eight pairs. Oh, you have eight pairs. I have yeah. eight pairs, yeah. and now I'm gonna have seven and a half. Yeah. Cause I don't think he's going to make it. And normally I would take him to, I would take him all the way down to Grafton to Tufts medical center for the animal hospital where I take all my injured birds. Cause I have done this with John many times actually, but I had to come Grafton? to the show and he was too far mm. gone. I think what Grafton. Yeah. It's in Grafton mass. Okay. So it's where the Tufts animal emergency for the, the fowl waterfowl and birds oh, okay. are. Because so, I had a, because veterinary places do not yep. do animals because i had a distressed baby rabbit that i had to bring to exeter or something or where the well hell, where the hell was you have it a distressed yeah. baby anything of the mammal type mm -hmm. you can take it to jane newhouse at the newhouse animal rescue down in chelmsford chelmsford okay mm -hmm. she's a fantastic rescue she takes in raccoons possums squirrels mm -hmm. um bobcats like she, pair, rehabs every, she rehabs everything it's all out of her house she's it's privately funded with, I mean, publicly funded because it's a 501c, but she does a really beautiful job and you can volunteer there too, but I digress. I had a pair of young rabbits that I think were uh, taken by a bird of prey. They, oh. They were just kind of dropped at a certain place and looked like they had talon marks on them. Or, oh, yeah, that stinks. Mm. Speaking of birds of prey, before we move on to our actual part of the show that has emotional content and meaning for the world not just me and you this um, is emotional content dealing with adversity it is but it's it, my adversity and that doesn't really matter but you're showing an example of how to deal with mercy your your attitude and your response to I'm it i'm laughing 
I think I laugh at everything because if I yeah. didn't, I'd cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I know, I know. Um, speaking of birds of prey, I went up to Plum Island. Yes. Guess what I saw? No. Nothing. No snowies? No. Mm. I saw a beautiful sunset. Okay. And I saw lots of people looking for the snowy. Mm-hmm. And then when I got home, I saw that people had seen it like an hour before I got there. Oh. <laughs> and I had missed it. So, uh, yeah. So I did not see the snowy this weekend, but there's plenty of them around this year. And they're hard to miss because they sit there for hours. Well, it's not like there. they just lit there. It's not like they just sit there and go away. They... So much like my driveway is a sheet of ice, <laughs> the entire refuge, if, you yeah. know, for people that have no idea what I'm talking about, if you ever do a, a, a Google search and look at Plum Island, Plum Island is a large beach, but it is all sand dunes, essentially, that are that's covered in snow. And when it snows and it's icy, the birds just blend in completely so yep. it's very difficult to spot them without the contrast you have to really look hard or what i do is i cheat i find people that have already found the bird yeah sure and i just it go up and go, oh, yeah. bird go see where people are and then follow that's what them. i do yeah. if there's if there's people up on the mound or people are stopping i'm there yeah and again they don't just fly off it's not uh -uh. like they're there 30 seconds they'll sit there for hours oh i know yeah. i remember last year i sat for almost eight hours on one of them yep and i got that flight shot but I had to sit there all day, which was lovely because it's very soothing. It was a couple times there was an owl jam on the turnpike and I would leave and I would go to work or mm -hmm. I'd go somewhere and I'd come back two right. or three hours later and he's still there. I know. Yeah. And then so I'm then, thinking, how tough could this be? I, I know. And he has a full audience, <laughs> but they're so far out. People, people don't realize it's yeah. not like when, if you're looking for these, it's not like they're sitting right next to you. They're ways out you have to have that my like my telephoto lens that i have that you have to be able to see them and you have to bring binoculars no, i haven't spot. seen a snowy yet this year a couple couple bald eagles and lots of hawks i've seen hawks and bald eagles yeah. and a couple other types of birds and harriers and stuff like that but no well and i've, I've seen one snowy but it was whew, you know the girlfriend and the daughter seen one on the, north, I've seen bobcat. On the south jetty hmm. i've seen my bobcat oh at your place i do oh do you yes nice Yes. And I, oh, and I had a very odd man creeping around my house two weeks ago. Not good. <laughs> well, sick like the bobcat. bobcat on him. <laughs> well, I had, we had to call the police on him. It was very weird. Really? Yeah. So it's an interesting little, it's an interesting little thing about talk about, you know, self awareness and safety and things like that. So, long story short, he was out in the back, you know, I live on conservation land. So he's walking around, obviously, where he shouldn't be in yep. my yard, but it's way out in the back. And, yep. He, he looks like he's looking for something. So long story short, he was looking for something. And what he was hired by a tree company, which I won't name. He was hired by a tree company and had been working in the area mm -hmm. along with his colleagues. And what they had been doing, apparently, according to the police, is that they they work for a little while for these tree companies. And then they get fired because they steal from people. And then they hide the... He was looking for a sawzall. He told us he was looking for a sawzall. Yes, he wasn't looking for his brothers. It was actually someone he stole. So oh. they hide the the goods in people's yards and they go looking. So he then they was, come back from and he and yeah. so and well, he was high and there was something definitely up with him. He was definitely not living in the area. And by the time the police came and I caught because he was like looking through people's stuff and I was videotaping him, he was there for like an hour and a half. Wow. And the cops came and said, Move along, sir. But that's what they told me is that he's he has a nefarious past uh, and he's notorious. He's, he's not only nefarious, but he's notorious. He's a known individual. He is a known entity. Yeah. Yes. So I have him 
fully on video. I, and people, I think, forget. Well, when you're high, I imagine. I mean, I'm not high and have never been high, so I wouldn't know. But I imagine they don't realize that they're on camera <laughs> as much yeah. as they are. So, yeah. Thank God for cameras. Oh, yeah. They're all over the place. Oh, now. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I'm going to add more. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been an adventurous week. Yes. We'll see what else. It's only Wednesday. Woohoo. You got one of those Mercury and retrograde situations here. Is, What's going it is, on? It is in retrograde. Because it's been a it's been a bear of a week. Yeah, it's, it really it is. It actually you are spot on. And I don't even think you believe in that stuff. I do shows with witches, so I, well, I know that is <laughs> so I'm aware of these things. You're aware. How much I believe in it, I don't know, but I'm aware of them. I'm moving around because yeah. my butt hurts. Do you see that? I'm like sore. I'm in trouble. This is gonna be bad. There goes the marathon. The marathon. I'm running in May in April. Uh, yeah, April. Well, this could injure me for two months, eight, not ten, ten weeks. A little me... ice, a little hot tub, you'll be fine. <sighs> okay. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> you I love your compassion. I'm just gonna lay back down on the floor and stretch. You don't strike me as a person who's all that worried about compassion. I'm not. I don't. I won't ever come to you for compassion. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm a very compassionate person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How's your hair doing? <laughs> the same. I called Lou last night yeah. to talk to him about something that I was going to do today, which didn't pan out for today. So it'll probably be in the next week. But okay. um, and the coloring thread has been for like three days now. So I fully expected it would have happened last night. I was figuring that I was going to come in. You were going to be, I called him the heat miser yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people are asking me like, what does his hair look like? Because they can't see you. And I said, well, it's red. It's not so much the hair anymore. We're fighting about the beard. Do not do that to your beard. What? Do not. I've done it. But that, that's, it looks. Your beard. Not right now. Oh. That's, don't... she's very upset about the beard. She wants Why? the color of the beard. She wants to color the beard? Don't, don't, don't do that. I've done it. Haven't you seen it? I've done it. This would oh, be like God. the third or fourth well, time I've done it. Well, everyone that's listening, stay tuned. Because oh, this no. could be very entertaining. I don't like it when it's colored, but well, I don't think yeah. you should do that. I mean, I adore your girlfriend, but you know, something's got to give here. I'm just saying. Well, hey, I don't want to get mad at me, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Good morning, Ex Joe. Exactly. What? <laughs> I don't want to get mad at me, so <laughs> I don't care if she gets mad at you. I don't want to get mad at me. I've got other things going on. I can't be worried about her being upset because she hasn't colored my hair. Okay. So good morning, Joe. Our, Joe is is tuning in this morning, and I just want to say good morning and um, speedy recovery because Joe's been a little under the weather. Oh. Wetter, the weather, the weather, <laughs> the weather. Yeah, yeah, Joe, get better. <laughs> so Joe, 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 get better, 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 because you're under the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been the fall. <laughs> yeah. See, now I'm worried about a concussion. <laughs> I think. Wow. Okay, back on track. Did you did you whiplash your head? <laughs> Oh, I did not fall on my head. No, I'm just curious. It just, it no, it was a yeah. very controlled gymnast fall, okay. which probably injured me more. Because it's hard to fall on your back without slamming your head. I didn't fall on my back. I fell oh. on my side. Oh, okay. Get with the program. My left hand went down, which is always a no-no. But I was like, so and you, I only put it down right at the end. And then it just kind of jarred my back. So you didn't stick the landing is what you're telling me. Oh, I stuck it all right. <laughs> right where the garbage can, right on top of me. Okay. I'm, I probably have some imprint of the garbage can on me. <laughs> and you would have laughed because I actually giggled. That's it. I'm going to keep going on this. Yeah. When the garbage can fell on me, the lid popped open and the first bag on top like oh, fell sure. over and I have cat litter in it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. See, don't put the cat litter on top. Never well, put the I, cat litter on it top. It was the last thing that went in because I needed to get rid of the last bag that I did the cat litter. No, so. but you switch a bag okay. when you put it in a barrel. No, because when I put garbage in, and John would tell you this, I load it up. It's like 50 pounds a bag. I've got so much stuff. I'm like, <laughs> no, I know. But those poor guys doing the... You don't, want, they don't, you don't want the, the thing cat litter on the top picks thing. it up with a machine oh, and you dumps it and no. puts it back down. Nobody's touching my garbage. Okay. Come on now. It's all automated. <laughs> Get with the program. All right. Okay. You ready for the topic of the day? Yeah. We're moving More along. More than ready. <laughs> I do have to Been say ready for my 10 last minutes. little ditty of my rhyme was pretty funny. Yes. That was, whoo, that came right out of my humor central. <laughs> okay. So today's topic like you're on the painkillers already i know i don't take those things i've never taken them ever no. speaking of that yeah. right today we're going to be talking about codependency <laughs> <laughs> i'm not kidding okay no but i'm not talking about it in the way that people would traditionally think about it because um codependency is typically discussed like in terms of substance abuse yep as I take a sip of my coffee. But when you hear about codependency, often, you, well, not often, more often than not, everyone always says, oh, that has to do with alcohol and drugs. Right. But it doesn't. I mean, it does. I shouldn't say that. It does. But that's actually not really where codependency is. Right. Like alcohol and drug abuse or substance abuse comes from codependency. But the codependency on the drug or alcohol actually is established in the fact that it's relational. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's, it's really specific and people don't understand that. It's like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. But there's tons of codependency related issues um, in everybody's life. We all have a little, you know, flicker of it here and there because it's normal and healthy to have some of it because it just is yep. like not a ton, but there's little pieces of it because, you know, it's kind of like we all have a little OCD. We all have a little stress. We all have a little, you know, mood dis disorder stuff right. going on. But this is, this is really more about like, um, it's not about abusing a substance or relying on a substance or depending on it. It's about depending on a bigger, broader topic of how to relate or how one doesn't relate or how one disconnects or interconnects or how they get sucked into um, a relationship of either two people or a family. Because a family, people are like, oh, how can a family be codependent? Well, it can. Yep. So, um, you know, two people can become so invested in each other that they can't functionally work anymore as interdependent people they function as in enmeshed so if you're watching you can see me put my hands together and like put into like this enmeshment yep. they function as this like they can't one can't work without the other um and it gets a broad stroke a lot of times when people do substance abuse work because codependency is so often like uh, like uses a blame like well you're codependent so yeah. And, and and then often it's used in a family situation where see people say, oh, well, it's because they're codependent. And so that's why, you know, that person's enabling the other person. That's not the same thing. And also you can have someone in substance abuse and be codependent while the other person doesn't have to be codependent. But a lot of treaters will assume in broad stroke that everybody in the system is codependent. And that's not true. So mm -hmm. I think, again, case by case, but codependency is a topic for everybody because we have codependency in all parts of our lives. We can have it with food, hmm. right? We can have it with each other. We can have it with caffeine. We can have it with nicotine. We can have it with gambling. We can have it with sex. Like there's all these pieces, but what that really comes down to is 
relationally, where are we able to draw our boundaries and keep ourselves independent so we function independently? So what do you think about this so far, Lou? And I'm thinking I want a more of a primer description of this, or obviously with these types of questions, and it kind of links it to addiction a little closer, which I'm trying to avoid doing because we don't want to link it too closely, is what is the difference between a relationship and a codependent relationship? When is it, at what point does it become codependent? So good question. You are so good. You went right down. So, so codependency, when it gets to the unhealthy level is relationship addiction. That's so, so when it, when it comes to that point, it's really when um, people form unhealthy, emotionally dependent and um, harmful relationships that come from either controlling one person or feeling controlled by another person, um, not able to make your own decisions, you know, having to check like, what do you think this is a good idea? Do you think that's a good idea? Um, not being able to really identify or discuss your feelings because you think that the other person might be upset by your feelings. Um, uh, valuing kind of my opinion isn't as important as yours, so I'll defer to you. So there's there's a whole bunch of different things that go into it, but it's really about sort of losing yourself into the other person and feeling like you can't um, find your own identity within the relationship, you lose it over. And, and it's not the same as an abusive relationship or a battered relationship, mm -hmm. because oftentimes both people are so relationally addicted that they, you know, it becomes, I need, so this is how I explain it in class. I need you to need me to need you. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. I need you to need me to need you. So, whether it's you doing it or me doing it, we both are constantly looping around and doing it when in fact that is that is like the unhealthy toxic rotation of it versus I don't need you to need me to need you. The I'm okay on my own. You may need me, yep. but I don't need. I want you to be around, but I don't need you to be around. And so being able to do self-observation, which is very hard with people who are codependent, to be able to really look at and say, I can independently make a decision as long as I'm clear of mind and I am in a good state of mind, um, I can make a good decision on, you know, my relationship, my, my, my uh, job, my friends, my, whatever it is, being able to really separate those things out. And there's, a, I mean, there's tons of different ways of looking at codependency in terms of the signs. And even if you have one sign of like one little factor, that doesn't mean you're codependent. You just have to be mindful of it because many people have at least one or two little things yeah. in there. Cause some people are say low self-esteem, low self-esteem might be more indicative of someone who's going to go towards a codependent relationship because it makes a person get validation from someone else. But that doesn't mean they're codependent. It just means that that person might be more um, vulnerable to that. Doesn't mean it will be, but it can be. So knowing yourself well enough to say, hey, I, you know, every time I ask you for your acceptance or approval, is it, is it making my life better today because I have to do that and this is the only way I can function? Or is it just once in a while? Or, you know, so you have to be your best gauge on that. But many people lack the awareness of this. Yeah. Um, and they go through life and kind of, I think one of the easiest detectors is if you're a person who has serial friending, like you get into a friendship and it, you lose it because mm -hmm. you burn them out and you get into a friendship and you burn them oh, out. I see. because yeah. the other person, when that happens, loses, they have a boundary and people who have boundaries tend not to get pulled by this. And right. so they either burn out and the person moves along or they just keep a good boundary and they'll stay, but they're really distanced right. and detached. Yep. So, um, 
thus rejected, which the codependent person will then move away from. It's like, oh, this isn't, this isn't giving me enough of my feedback that I need to really move forward. So if I ask you about a typical interaction or relationship dynamic that is codependent that people don't see as codependent, does anything come to mind? Say it one more time so that I can get my thoughts. I'm right. looking for a, a dynamic, a relationship dynamic that you see quite often that is codependent, but people don't recognize it as such. In other words, you, you might be a codependent if you react, if you and your partner react this way or you and your friend react this way. Well, so I think one of the easiest ways to come up with that is addiction itself. Mm -hmm. So families. So if you're talking about, um, let's take, you have a 20 something kid who's in heroin addiction or any addiction, whatever. Right. And they live at home and they live at home because they've been through the process or whatever. They haven't been able to keep themselves on this, on their own straight and narrow kind of thing. And then you have mom and dad living in the house, maybe someone else, but let's take mom and dad and this person, the identified addiction addict will go towards the parent who they feel they can maneuver the easiest, who comes across as the weakest link right. and play on by gaslighting, right? Yep. So by putting some uh, passive aggressive, like if you don't give me money and I don't get my heroin, you'll be the one that will be responsible for overdosing or dying because I'm going to go through withdrawal. So you have to give me money. Yeah. So the parent will give the money. Now, they're codependent because they are guilted into giving something that they know they shouldn't, but they want to do it because they they don't want to lose the love or the friendship or the connection to this child adult. And so they'll keep feeding it because they don't want anything bad happen because this person is manipulating, which is a coping strategy, manipulation, maneuvering mm -hmm. someone is a coping strategy to get what the other person needs. So they push the person who enables the enabler then gives back because they don't want anything bad to happen. They don't want to lose the relationship. They don't want the person to be mad at them. Then the more they reinforce that, the more the person comes back for more, the more it yep. deepens the, the emotional blackmail that consistently goes into this gaslighting effect. And then they're off to the races. So by the time, you know, like I see them, I, my first step is always like, you can't give these people in your home money. Like you so have to say, I'll give you, I'll give you food. I'll provide you with food. I will provide you with a ride. I won't give you my car. I won't give you gas money. I'll give you a gift card to go to McDonald's. Like, so that it's very specific and concrete. So you're getting a boundary, which is usually by the time people get to me, they've never even tried that. They're just so stuck and they think it's really about the person who's in addiction needing to get the help. But, you know, addiction is, is the family disease and there's different levels of who's in it and who's not in it. You can be in the house and not have any piece of it other than you're an observer trying to help versus someone who's right involved enabling over and over. And when it's that level, you're so codependent in, you know, enabling becomes part of the addiction because you're over loving yep. the person. So um, you're, you're ignoring your boundaries. You're right. going against your better judgment and you're going against your own personal good. In, a, in other words, to save what the relationship, what the relationship is giving you, what you think the well, relationship yeah, because is you're giving you. You're having yeah. like an exaggerated sense of responsibility for that other person. As if, if you don't do this thing, they will die. If you don't do this thing, it will be on you or the love won't be there. Like it's, it's, it's huge. It, and it's encompassing of the ego, the reality of the situation, which is not realistic, reasonable or rational that somehow you are 
the finite person of, of making this okay, when that's impossible. But the relationship becomes essentially like, I can't live without you needing me to need you. Addiction aside, sounds like parenting is is rife for this. Well, right. And that's why it's yeah. relational in general without yeah. even putting the addiction because the relation, that's why addiction starts at this level. Addiction, like I've said, the, the ism of drugs, alcohol, or whatever it is, that's the symptom of the problem. Codependency is one of the highlight factors that goes into making a person become an addict because their relationships disconnect in, in early youth. And they don't have what they need. Doesn't mean they haven't gotten what they need. Right. It means that they have not perceived what they've needed um, correctly if it's been there, or they have they have not gotten it for sure. But in many cases, they've gotten it, but their perception of it is skewed and distorted. So they disconnect from it, or there's been some trauma that's released them from the connection, and then they go down this path of looking for love in all the wrong places. Essentially, I'll connect with you know. I'll be, I'll romanticize, you know, if you listen to AA or NA, I'll romanticize the bottle. I'll romanticize the pill. I'll romanticize my relationship with the 14 partners I'll have next week. Like, you know, yep. it's all about the connection that they have to the external materialistic thing versus the actual internal nature of oneself. So the relationship with oneself is truncated or stifled and the relation, therefore everything outside is clearly, if you can't be accessible here, you can't be accessible to other people. So across the board, when you see people in active addiction, they're disconnected from the reality of really what's going on externally around them because they're so invested in the, the ism yes. at the time. Right. So the codependency yeah. then um, they look for people that will reinforce. That's why people who are in addiction who try to get sober will will go right back to the same thing. And, you know, we call it spin dry. You know, they'll come into detox, go out, come into detox, go out yep. because they go right back to the same environment and get reinforced with the same exact thing that happened before that drove them into it. And then they go right back in. And oftentimes if they go into a system that has poor boundaries, you know, a detox or rehab, which they all do in many cases, some are worse than others. This will foster an environment where the person will then get right back into it unbeknownst to them because they, the power differential, like a parent, the power differential of a treater like myself, mm -hmm. if it's abused or it will cause, it will cause harm because you're actually setting a patient up to have to keep coming in. Yep. You know, coming back, I need you to need me to need you right. to yeah. give you medication, right? So now we're, we call it recapitulation, which is re repeating. We call it recapitulation of the family of origin experience. So oftentimes hospital settings actually mimic home life like that because, and I won't out any particular hospitals, but there's a couple around here and they're, this is all over the country that they're, you know, they're money driven. So yeah. one of the drives is, you know, people just kind of get complacent. It's, well, we'll clean you up for a couple of days, send you home. And in a couple more weeks, you'll be back yep. or in a couple months. So I need you to need me to need you. That's the model. And, yeah. and it's, and so, so if a person comes from a codependent home, which has an ism in it, it sets that person up for failure right out of the gate, because unless that person's being taught boundaries, how to set them, how to be okay with that and be 
not feeling like if they set them, they're going to be in trouble or hurting someone's feelings. Like it's this, yep. it's, it's an emotional blackmail. It's, it's like a never ending cycle unless you can actually jump out of it. So I was, try, I was trying People. to move it out of the addiction thing with, with parents. And it sounds like a syndrome we talk about a lot with parenting nowadays and increasingly more so is the parent needing to be a friend with the child as opposed to being the parent of the child. And this sounds like a description of exactly that. Right. You're, you're dropping your boundaries, your better judgment um, for the friendship of the child as opposed to taking on a parenting role. Right. And and you see, and like you just said, you see that all the time. Yep. And that's one of the factors, one of the factors that goes into making resiliency of a child drop and making them more vulnerable to addiction. Yeah. And, and, and that, again, like, a really good example of that is I see a lot of that type of parenting. But it's also, it also disorders. diminishes the child because right. addiction aside, the world doesn't work that way. Right. Not well, every relationship you're going to run into well, is that relationship. Right. Because it's a false sense of what is real mm -hmm. in terms of interrelational right. um, functionality mm -hmm. and, and ability <clears throat> and capacity. Here, See, I'm in this room. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice in here. There's got to be something in here. <laughs> Either that or I'm channeling somebody and I'm having to. i got to figure it out because there's not much in there. <laughs> Just go with me, Lou. Yep. Okay. Um, but that, that functionality is changed with that parenting style. Yep. And it sets, it sets up so many different scenarios for a kid to have to figure out how to cope and function in based on that kind of style of friendship parenting right in, in, in it's that indulgent or um, permissive parenting when you have an indulgent or permissive style even a little bit um, which is really high warmth and very permissible and lots of praise and anything goes and very little task or expectation right um, it's kind of an open door for whatever and and because there's no boundaries and kids need those boundaries so they know when when something's over the limit and when they can say no so not only is it genetically in there then you're modeled it um you know you're you're socially observing something as a child then you're doing as someone says maybe not as they do but then if they're doing the thing they're telling you not to like smoking you can see how mm. many times people are smokers and then their kids are like, I'm, I'm never going to smoke. And then they're smoking. Yep. Um, and it's not because all of a sudden they want to be smokers. It's just, it's like the natural path. Um, anecdotally speaking. I'm sorry know. for the analogy of the metaphor today, but instead of pushing a child out of the nest, you're throwing them to the wolves. Yeah. You know, you're not setting them up because again, they have to go function in a world that is not going to be codependent. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and so that's to the point of like, you know, and you um, diminish their uh, resistance to instant gratification. You, you just, you're setting them up for a very tough time. They won't be happy with anything because of the relationship that they came from. And and that's one of, and that's yes, yes, yes. And yes. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that, um, you know, even in school, you know, if you think about school, just take like elementary school, you have really good teachers who set kids up for success with, building independent thought and critical thinking skills mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And then you have some teachers that foster a home environment that's similar and they foster the inter, I mean, not the inter, they foster the codependency piece of like, I, they, you teach a child that they need you to help them on everything <clears throat> because, you know, you have those kids in the class that will ask for help and then be able to do it on their own. But then there's the kids that already are set up to go, 
I need help. I need help. I need help. And you finally will do it for them over and over. And now you've got a child who's coping strategies to get you to do it for them. Right. So that, and that's the same thing. So it's it's all over the place, whether we're talking about home, school, hospital, because you have to be mindful of what kind of um, affirmational style essentially is happening and what is it being reinforced with and how is it being talked about? You get the dependence instead of, because with those children, when you have a child who can't do something and you keep doing it for them, you're robbing them of the moment of finally, finally accomplishing that. Right. And when you talk, which so, is yes. huge for the parent, it's huge for the child. It's, it's a, it's a great feeling. Right. And so, and so that's one of the things like about, so I was teaching this in class last week about addiction itself, right? You have relationship addiction, which is codependency. Then you add in a substance and then you go into a hospital and the hospital's like, well, we'll just put you on something that's legally prescribed for you to continue this behavior. And, and, great but it's still not it's still doing the same thing and now there's nothing there's nothing wrong with people who choose to do that but you've got to do the work around understanding what's driving you to pick that it's instant gratification it's the the road most traveled Mm -hmm. it makes it a crutch it makes it very easy and it oftentimes more often than not you can look at the statistics gets people into lots of trouble because it goes you know Either they miss the medication or they go off the medication, they relapse, they use on it. Like it's got all these flaws. And then sometimes you have to question, like, are we setting people up in school systems, in hospitals, in homes for success when we're not looking at the the actual relational model of how do you build an interdependency, which is healthy versus a codependency? And so you start at this youth level to say, hey, my kids aren't my friends and there's boundaries. That doesn't mean we can't be friendly. Right. That doesn't mean we can't have good times, but there is, and that doesn't make you a bad person or, you know, but you can't set it up like that because you're setting it all the way across for school, for adulthood, for all the things that come. And it sets some up for failure. I know it's tough. It's an easy trap to fall into. You see it happening all the time. Well, it's, and it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. And people, and people don't realize, um, because the parenting path is hard. The friend path is easy. The parenting. Yeah. The parenting part. And yeah, because, because subconsciously it's hard to keep your kid off PlayStation. Right. It's easy to let them go. I mean, well, yes, it takes some effort and it takes some persistence to, to set a boundary and hold on to it. Right. Well, and by the way, in the meantime, the child is upset with you, which if, if you're not emotionally, if you emotionally struggle with that, it's even harder. Right. Yeah. Well, and that goes to the enabling. Yeah. So enabling is some, so the, so the codependent piece is, uh, is really subconscious a lot of the times that people don't have the awareness, but if, if you can pick out enabling, if you're being enabled or you're an enabler, you can pick that out much faster and easier because you just have to start looking at some of the things that you're doing to either reinforce or to help someone out. Is it, is it because it's genuinely needed? Right. Um, is it because, you know, what is it causing is a cause and effect relationship? What's the outcome and consequence? Because most of the time enabling is just over loving somebody. You're just trying to keep yourself well, from having yeah. some bad feelings. Or it's lazy. Anyway. <clears throat> or it's lazy. Well, yeah, it can't, I mean, it certainly yeah, am I can doing be, the right especially thing? in parenting, it can yeah. it absolutely can be because it's- Am it's, I doing the right thing or am I taking the path of least resistance? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so enabling oftentimes is, 
I'm going to say 99% of the time you will not see enabling in a healthy relationship. And when there's parent not, child, we're talking parent child. Yeah. In, or in, any relationship. Par, any, in any yeah. relationship, there won't be enabling um, because it's just not a skill that you need to have to utilize when there's a healthy boundary right. and there's good structure inclusive of adult relationships. Um, so codependency can't exist where there isn't that, but it's, but it's, uh, you know, so many people are raised with such stress around abandonment feelings, feeling rejected, feeling less than, and those, those soul pieces, those ego pieces set people up for looking for a person that will be willing to take care of them or be in a partnership, but really, in fact, it's to take care of them. Right. And then it's, you get into, it. it's kind of like you meet someone, you get into this friendship or a relationship and, you know, in a year or two later, you, you know, friends will take a friend. You get into two years later and all of a sudden you realize you're best friends with someone. And then you go, Oh my God, this is like horrific. And you realize <laughs> I can't get divorced from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, too late because it's, it's so deeply, um, subconscious and manifest so insidiously from the under covert side of things that um by the time people realize it yeah. they're off to the races um which is why i'm saying like if you can identify whether or not you're being enabled or if you're enabling now if you're being enabled you're benefiting so yep. it's really hard you'd have to be like i don't want this anymore um I don't want you to do my work for me anymore. I don't want you to actually do what I say with, you know, medication. I want you to do what you think is right. You know, that kind of thing. Um, or parenting, same thing. Why, why do that when you're getting your way? So, which brings us to how do we deal with our codependent relationships or our codependent tendencies? Well, therapy is a good thing. <laughs> well, so, so you have to know, you have to know, first of all, and so I have my little list here, because of course I knew you were going to ask me that, right? <laughs> So obviously you have to, I always recommend people to pursue counseling. You do not have to go to a counselor necessarily like me. There's actually Codependence Anonymous. Did really? You know There's a code I group. didn't know that. Yes, there is. Yeah. So they, they, and they exist all over. You can look them up. Just the meetings are all over, just like they are for the regular AA and NA and all that. They don't happen as often. Like they're not daily. I've never found one that's daily, but they are around, especially down where I live. Um, so I, I send people to those if they don't want to do like one-on-one -on -one counseling. And I often send people to them. I send people to CODA groups first if I can identify that, or they come and say, I'd like to get counseling because I think I'm codependent. The reason why I'll send them to that first is because I want them to have some understanding about codependency before they start a relationship with a therapist right. who then they could become codependent on when, you know, so I want them to understand first um, if you can catch it enough to know if the person is. So, so definitely counseling. Um, if you're in a couple's relationship and there's that, certainly couples therapy, um, or if you're having um, any kind of addiction as a dual diagnosis of any kind with a mood disorder, you should have like some kind of addiction support or something like that. Um, uh, making sure that you spend time um, on self-care and, and identifying, you have to know that you're codependent. You have to figure, you have to come to the awareness and that's, and that's being able to identify like a whole bunch of factors, which I had written down. Cause again, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, so <laughs> that's so the here, first step in any mental health, right. Me mental health issue is awareness of awareness of the problem. Right. So, and so one of the biggest ones in this is difficulty making decisions. 
in in general and in relationships mm-hmm. like you know pay, you, you, can you make your own decision do you feel like you can make your own decision you have to go and defer like do you, you know yep. and that doesn't mean that making decisions doesn't mean that you have to independently make them without anyone's input right it's about getting input if you want it and need it or even if you just want to do a hey lou what do you think of this and then making up your mind once you have all the information so it's not about just having to stand on an aisle of your own. And that means you're not codependent. It means actively seeking advice, but then triangulating it in a critical thinking way and being like, oh, this makes sense. And so I'll make my own decision yep. kind of thing. Right. So it's it's being able to. But if you're going to ask the wife whether you should buy the pickup truck, that's no, not codependency necessarily. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, because that's, that's a family mask, decision. Right? That yep. doesn't mean you're having a difficulty with yep. your decision. It means you're just saying like, hey, what do you think? Yeah. And they may say, I think great. And then you might say, oh, well, you said great. And I'm not thinking that's great. And then you make a different decision. But it's about getting your information so that you can make your best informed decision. And even if they resist because it's not necessarily a great family decision, that's okay. Having that interaction is okay. It's not codependency. Well, and and that's the thing is... is But you arrive at the decision, she's right. It's not the best thing for the family right now. Right. And the difference in in the healthy decision-making versus the codependent decision-making is that you the healthy decision maker who ends up making their decision has the ability and the capability of attaining all the information possible. And then even if the other people they got it from disagree, they can still be able to make a decision on their own based on all that information and Mm -hmm. the facts. And they don't need someone else to say, well, what do you think? And then make the decision for them. Once it crosses over into that, then you have codependency right right so so the the decision um a person has difficulty identifying their own feelings what do you think i feel like you know so i'll have patients ask me like what do you think i should feel what do you think i feel (laughs) and i never answer that question right because then what does that do it it's you can imagine a a person asking their parent what what should i feel and the parent telling them or the parent had set them up earlier telling them that's not how you feel Somebody else told you that you feel that way. That starts codependency in the relationship. And by the way, children don't do it that obviously. They don't say, what no. do you think I should feel? But no. they will put a situation on They'll the say, table. They'll say, I'm sad. I'm so sad. And yeah. the parent will say, you're not sad. You don't yeah. have anything to be sad about. So now the child becomes doubtful of their own feeling. Yep. So they have to seek out validation of, am I sad? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I okay? Yeah. Because they don't know how to identify. They 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 knew it, but then it was taken away from them or invalidated. Right. So then they're seeking it out later in a different way. Right? And they surrendered it to they surrendered it much too easily. Right. Because yeah. they didn't know any different because right. they were in a power differential with the parent. Right. Which is the same thing as like the hospital situation, the teacher situation. It's like power differential making right. the decisions for you. Um, difficulty com- communicating in a relationship. So that could be a variety of different things being able to ask for what you need now asking for what you need doesn't mean you're going to get it but just being able to advocate for yourself or being able to speak about like hey i'm thinking this versus that just kind of your normal communication dialogue really having that difficulty being able to to talk not not about like not getting a word in edgewise that's not what it means it means just like just being able to sit down and have a chat about like, hey, something happened and this is what's going on, and but not doing that. People with codependency will avoid that mm-hmm. because they're not trusting of what will come back, whether it will be acceptance, 
belonging, rejection, abandonment. Yep. So it's easier just to bypass it completely. Yeah, it's not safe. It's so, not safe. Yeah. So why bother? So we wouldn't want to address it full on because we might get a, we might have retaliation. Mm -hmm. That's a big one that comes up is if I actually speak my truth, someone's going to be mad and I'm going to be in trouble for it. Yeah. Which is the pattern. That right? feeling that speaking up is not, not never going to improve my situation. Right. And yeah. so when you think of parents, right, or you think of like a power structure, if I say no to my parent and I disagree with them, I'm not allowed to do that. Yeah. There's, there's structures like, well, that person's in the, in the hierarchy. So they must know and have more wisdom. So therefore I must do what they say. And when that's reinforced over and over in family homes, you know, you see this in generations above us, older than us, that they go to a doctor and the doctor says, do this. And they go, okay. Yep. Instead of questioning, like, wait a second, why would I do that? <laughs> like knowing like, or, or even if you don't know why you just say, can you explain to me why generations will not, some generations won't do that because they're trained to be codependent in on the relationship with a power entity that is a doctor or someone above them, instead of saying, question, question, question. And I like, in my case, I always ask people, like, if you ever have a question or a doubt, I'm never the end all be all ask me. And if I don't know, I'll refer you to someone who might, or I'll find you the answer. I will not be offended. But so yeah. many people get into that with their families. They won't feel like they can step out to ask someone else. Cause that will challenge the yeah. other or in school systems, same thing in doctoring, same thing. Like people are like, I don't want to hurt my doctor's feelings. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. I don't want to hurt my parent. I don't. So it's that power, that power piece around the codependency yeah. of like, I can't step out in front of it to take care of me. The feeling being, if I disagree, my situation gets worse. Right. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? So, yeah. so it's, it's dance with the devil, you know, rather than the devil that you don't. But recognizing healthily, if you're healthy, you recognize that your decision is your responsibility. Right. Well, you, you get the in information. People won't, yeah, people I know. won't own that. The healthy mindset is yes. I get all the information I can and make a decision. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, valuing the approval of others more than your own value. Um, again, that hierarchy, I yep. value the other person's opinion. So I'm going to go with what my mom said. Yep. Cause you know, my mom believes this, so I'm supposed to believe this. So I do that. Even though I don't think I'm doing the right thing. Right. Um, it, it Even, yeah. Cause my mom will tell you that's yeah. not a right thing to do. That's not yep. sound, but cause she says it's okay. It must be okay. Yep. The doctor says it's okay to do this. So it must be okay. I get that all the time. Like, yeah. well, my doctor prescribed it for me. Mm -hmm. Did you ask what it does? No. Well, the three symptoms you just came in with and told me about, yeah, that has to do with the thing you're taking. Oh, right. Like, did you tell him what you're telling me? You're not valuing yep. your own thought. And they're like, oh, I meant to ask that. And I didn't because I didn't yeah. want to upset them. Yep. This is what I hear. Like, you have to ask. Um, so lacking trust in yourself or having that poor self-esteem, you know, understanding kind of like that inferiority complex that you can have, like just feeling low self-esteem, um, having a fear of abandonment or that need for approval. You know, the, do you love me? Do you love yep. me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Am I okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? You'll see that's one of the hallmarks in couples relationships I see is that a person who does that, like, I don't want to upset the apple cart because they won't love me. So, I'm, and I'm always checking. Yep. Do you love me? Do you love me? We okay? Are you gonna break up with me? You see that in teenage relationships too. That doesn't mean there's sure. codependency. That's usually a really common way that kids are trying to figure out how to figure their way through yep. things. But when it's in your adulthood, it's a pretty good sign of that. Um, having an unhealthy dependence um, on just relationships as a whole, 
like across the board, right. you know, your relationship with your boss, your work site, all the people at it, all your family members or most of them doing things, you know, I, I'll sacrifice my whole weekend to go to some family event when I really wanted to be doing this thing. I'll just sacrifice independently, go over and just, you know, bypass what I wanted to do for me because I have to make sure they're not upset with me. Right. Really common. And then having that ex exaggerated sense of responsibility for other people's actions. So that's a variety of things. Yeah. Like you just have that, you know, the person feels responsible and that's one of the, I think that that's one of the most rare pieces of codependency is having that because usually you don't see that as much as that people will take the responsibility on. Um, it's usually the other pieces that you see in there. Um, but if you have all of those things I just listed, you're likely codependent. Yeah. If you have a whole bunch of those things or half of those things, you're probably there. If you have one, you're normal. I mean, you should, you know, you just have to know how much it feeds into your daily life and where it goes. Um, and how it impacts you. Uh, so starting with awareness and knowing those things. Um, people uh, have come to me and asked me for reading on this many times. It is not an updated book, but I think one of the best reads you can do for yourself on this is Codependent No More. It's Melody Beattie. And she has written, I think she's written an updated uh, workbook on it. Um, I use it in my class to teach. I give it to almost everyone who comes to me who's doing recovery work from any addiction. Um, I think I've read it with clients at least 100, 150 times over and over and over again and <laughs> yeah. done the work in the book with them. Um, it is, if you've never read it, have you ever read it? No, but surprisingly, I've heard of it. <laughs> you've never heard of it? No, I've heard of it. Oh, okay. I was surprised. So it is... Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you take a medication for something that you do have, it's like, aha, it feels like, wow, if you don't, you'd be like, huh, you won't understand. But it will touch, it touches everyone on some level. But when you really see, when you read it, most of the time, my reactions from people who read it that have it and have codependency, they get mad <laughs> for, they get mad. I always tell them before they start, I'm like, do not get mad at me yep. for for suggesting this book. Cause you're going to be mad when you read this yep. because it's very enlightening of, Oh my, um, you won't relate to all of it, but the general theme will be so mad. I'm curious who, what do they get mad at? They get mad at the fact that in a good way they themselves they're, they're not alone yeah okay yeah then you know what i mean but yeah. that they didn't realize how insidious it was that and how covert and that when they read it they're like oh my god that happens to me i get that all the time like that's what happens to me that's what i do that's what she did that's what he yeah. does you know oh that explains so much and then they feel a variety like I feel out of control because I didn't know what I now know. And that makes me upset. Yep. Um, I feel taken advantage of. I feel like my, like all of a sudden the realizations, there's words for it. There's How did I not see this? What? How did I not see this? Right. Yeah. Right. Like I knew something was wrong, but now it has an actual definition and oh my God. Yep. So, so that, so there's lots of that. Um, and then there's sadness because that, you know, it's like the grieving process. All of us, it's like a, it's the mourning, the loss of the thought that everything was really normal yep. when in fact, oh no, this is why this explains why, you know, I had this happen and that happened and this happened and it's very detailed. Um, and it's, you know, eye opening for many people. And by the time people get through, it's like, it's like a relief because there's, you know, 
millions of, of copies sold and people, I mean, it's, it's been around forever and it's, uh, continually recommended in many classes, but I always use it in my classes for yeah. teaching counselors, how to counsel people because they have to understand it. And it's one of the best ways to understand codependency mm -hmm. is, is that th it's, it's a very well-written, easy read. Some like person to person is very personable. Um, and not technical. So it's nice. So in, but I um, highly recommend that book. In parenting and relationships, this can be so confusing because probably the primary signal of this is you're letting down your boundaries, you're going against your better thinking, you're sacrificing your own good right. in these decisions, but you're told that's what a parent does. You're told that's what right. a partner does. Right. So it's hard to it's hard to find where that line is. Right. Exactly. Because sometimes you do sacrifice. Sometimes you go against your better judgment sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's a matter of how often do you let yeah. go of that control for yourself and how often do you give up that empowerment that you have over because you've been trained to do that. And I think one of the other signals is how safe is it for you to do it? Right. How difficult is it for you, for right. you to do it? Well, Are you being forced to make this decision? Or are you doing it because it's the sum of the equation that you put together on it? Well, the, un the unfortunate. So like in, in home life, clearly that kind of thinking can get people into, um, you know, sort of not leaving and becoming an empty nester. They get stuck coming back to the nest school that can become very self sabotaging for being able to move forward into a college that one might feel that they can go into because they don't have the adequate feeling that they can go away from like their special ed plan or it could be stifling to them to move forward in a lot of plans that they might have because they're afraid because of the relationships they form with people telling them that they're only going to be able to go so far and they don't have an advocacy piece and then right up to like to being you know you know inpatient and psych or an addiction of being told you need to do this because it's the right thing for you and the next thing you know you're set up to fail and you'll be right back in the hospital again because you didn't trust your own gut and listen to facts you just trusted what you needed in the moment same thing across the board for all those things so it's it can be anywhere in your life it's a matter of knowing if that's there and then seeing how to stand up and advocate for yourself um, but you can't do that until you have the awareness that it's there that brings us back to um instant gratification again right. too because when you're constantly making the decision of what's best for you in the moment right that ultimately defeats you. Right. You have to delay gratification. You have to understand that there's some sacrifice and there's some work to do to get to the better outcome. Right. You have to. Right. If you if you go for something really quick, if you know, if you just put a bandaid on something, essentially, I always say that to my class. If you put a bandaid on something, eventually it has to come off. Or if, and then what's underneath it? Or more relevant in this day and age is pharmaceuticals of, of almost any sort. Take the pill as opposed to doing the work. Right. Because right. the pill is only supposed to be a temporary, in many cases, not in all cases, but it's supposed to, it's supposed to be a temporary. Well, in the context stint. of what we're talking about now, yeah. in terms of addiction, yeah. it's supposed to be temporary, yeah. but it not it is not, and then it sets people up to fail, and it's a it's a false um, sense of security in many cases because people become reliant, obviously, and codependent on the on the prescription, and again, not to say that there's anything wrong with having a medication if needed, if needed, yeah. if all else fails, right? But if someone's not doing the work, that's the whole thing. All the research, all the research that's good with good validity shows the best outcomes come from doing medication and the work together. If there's medication on board, you have to do both. If you're just doing therapy, you're golden. That you know, the efficacy with the medication will bump it higher, but if you're not doing the work, 
it just you're going to be spitting again. But with psychotropics now, it's just right. take the pill and keep going. Right. He's on the pill. He's he's fine. Exactly. No, right. that's a that's a dual diagnosis in itself. You're treating yeah. the symptoms. You're not right. treating the right. underlying well, right. cause. Well, you're prescribing the symptom, and that's yeah. Uh, yeah. right. So yeah. so there's it's a paradoxical intervention, and that's actually a real thing. It's you're prescribing the symptom. You're, you know, it's 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 methadone, suboxone sublocate all those things that are prescribed for people who are already in addiction well now we're just going to paradoxically give them the same we're prescribing the symptom we'll take you off of that but put you on this it's exactly the same thing and unfortunately addiction is so rampant that mitigation is accepted so right. when you have a suboxone or something like that that's mitigation right but at least they're not using right but they are but they are they are that's yeah. that's that's a as i've been told recently it's just a legalized way for someone to, you know, be a drug dealer. Yeah. yeah. In many cases, um, you know, I'm big on being holistic and the body can heal itself as long as you're doing the work and I'm all for medication for sure. If it's going to help you different show, different time, but you know, yeah. why bother, why bother going in to get detox off of something and then be put back on something that you have to re detox off eventually. Yep. So Another show, another time, but that's also codependency, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So anyway, the clock on the wall is wrong and we are over, but I started late and my ass is still hurting me. <laughs> yeah, but you forgot it for a while. I did, but yeah. now it's hurting me because I'm thinking about getting back up. Yep. Anyway, so hopefully this was beneficial for everybody and you can apply it to your daily and um and have a great week i will see everyone next week happy valentine's day to all those lovebirds out there <laughs> you go get them oh and happy super bowl weekend go oh uh, i guess I, I don't care rams I, okay, if i have so to you pick go, you go rams i'll go Bengals. i like both teams well i do too but yeah. and none of them well, are, rams you know rams we got our little superstar team going none of them are, are tom brady and none of them are patrick mahomes and none of those none of them are aaron Rodgers. so i'm good I know. <laughs> I'm aware. All right. Well, go both teams. May the best team on that day win. <laughs> All right, you guys. I'll see you next week. Have a great week.